0: Uh, talking too much, but I uh, uh, want you to go to Romans chapter two. Romans chapter two. We're going to begin, really, going to kind of reread uh, a couple of verses. We're going to read it, uh, verses five and six. We were over last time, just to kind of uh, to flow into uh, verse seven. And let me turn this on. I doubt I'm going to walk around much tonight, but I'll do that anyway. And it's on. All right, Romans chapter two, verses verse five. Uh, it says, "But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God." Who will render to every man according to his works? And so very important, God says he'll render to every man. And that means exactly what it says, every man according, not his works, I'm sorry, according to his deeds. And so uh, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness indignation and, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law, so also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel Uh, we're just going to jump right into it. time short, and and I'm not going to keep you late because I ran things late. But uh, bottom line is, our righteous God will render. The Scripture says every, to every man according to his deeds. Uh, he'll render to every man, and we got to understand that. Verse seven says to to them uh, who by patience, continuance, and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, and He says they'll they'll have eternal life and. And uh, and I just call those the the saved and seeking group. That's the saved and seeking group. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk about this whole passage in more detail. But but then it says verse eight. But unto them that are contentious, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and, and wrath, uh, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. Gentile. I call this the, the lost and lying group. And so you got a saved and seeking group, you got the lost and lying group. And 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 again we'll talk about that a little bit more, but but then verse ten it says, But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect. Of persons with God, over and over, he keeps saying to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. God's trying to say is nobody, nobody's exempt from what I'm saying here. He said this includes everybody. There are no special people. There's no exempt people. He said this applies to everybody. Now, at first reading, when you when you see this and you you just kind of first read through it, or you you start into it, you, you. it would seem to teach, kind of implying a kind of a salvation by works kind of thought process as you look at this. But please always remember, anytime something seems to say something that contradicts all of the rest of Scripture, it must not be saying what you think it says. And so, by, so we must remember to study Scripture by comparing Scripture with Scripture. And, and also by studying the entire context of the Scripture. And, and honestly, when you get to a passage like this, you got to look at the context. You say, what's the context? To me, for this passage of Scripture to be really fully understood, you got to understand the context of all of Romans that this was written in Romans and who he's writing to and what he's writing about. And so, uh, and I'm going to do my best to, to make some sense out of it, but probably the best explanation for this passage we just read is, is found in a couple of different passages, uh, one in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. If you, uh, I know I'm moving quickly, but if you want to look at it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And notice this, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we, God says when we come to Christ, we are a new creature. Now look, if I'm a new creature, then I ought to be, I probably should be living a little different than the old creature. And so that's really what God's headed toward here in this passage of Scripture, that there is a new creature, and that new creature ought to have different desires and a different direction of heart. You know, when I, when I was at, uh, uh, at Memphis State you know, on November the 8th, 1975, about, about 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, I'm getting dressed to go out and party hardy. I'm getting dressed to go out in my stacked shoes and my flare pants. Amen. <laughs> My little satin kind of shirt with collars out to here, and I'm ready to go show the world my moves. All right? That's what I'm getting ready to go do. And I'm going out there because that's where I went every night. I'm gonna go back out there. But November the eighth, nineteen seventy-five, about ten o'clock at night, I trusted Christ. And can I tell you, I became a new creature. And and now, this new creature uh there, There's a new creature because somebody came inside. I'm completely different than I was inside. Now, outside, I didn't look completely different. Outside, I even tried to go step on out to the same place again. But something was different. The new creature didn't belong here. It was almost like, hey, folks, last night, I went out to my, about, about, what was it, about 8.30 last night? I went out. And I take my old prayer walk, and I was out prayer, walk, and I walked down there to my little pond, and I always just leave the, the, the fishing rod just down there. So I, I said, Lord, hey, you know, it'd be just really nice to catch something. And I threw it out there. Joe Beth, you got the picture. I caught me, I, I think, what would he? how big was it, Dad? It was about 40 pounds, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I caught me about a three pound bass I that little pond. I mean, he jumped on that thing and I, woo! it was—it was incredible. You know what? I took him and I ran up to the house, woke my dad up, show it to him. I wanted to see what come out of that little pond. He said to me, son, son, that's good eating, but if you ain't going to eat it, you better get it back to the water quick. You know what? That thing was about to die. By the time I got it back to the pond, he laid down there for about fifteen minutes on the edge of the water. I thought he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. You know because. He's a creature that belongs in the water. Now, I was a creature that belonged in the water, and then something happened. And God said, "Now you you're going to live different. I, I, I live different now. I'm not, I'm not in that mess anymore. And uh, just to let you know, he did live. He laid down there, and I thought, well, he's going to make it, so I'm going to just jump down and throw him in the freezer, you know, wait till my brother comes so he can flay him real good. And I jumped back down there when I did. He, he's laying on his side. And I jumped back down. And he went, Pfft. he was gone. I mean, it was just, he was out of there. So, but now, probably the best explanation is this Second Corinthians. But now, it, the new creature seeks a new life. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If you're turning, you know, turn, 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 turn. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's what this passage here in Romans is talking about, that that the new creature ought to be doing new works, good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. The new creature is is Christ's workmanship. Now these verses found in Romans chapter 2, verses 7 through 11 are not dealing with how to get salvation, uh, but rather those that claim to be saved and live it and and then those that claim, often that claim to be saved and don't. I think that's really what it's talking about because remember this passage we've been talking about, uh, we talked about last week, it's really talking about hypocrisy. It's talking about the hypocrite and so it's talking about two, two groups of people, the people that say I'm saved and their, as James would say, their works show, demonstrate to the world that they're saved, and then those who claim to, but their works are, don't demonstrate salvation. Uh, and now, are they really saved? Are they not saved? That, that I can't answer. I think some are, some aren't. But their their work, their 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 works, their life doesn't match up to what they claim to be. Now. Webster's 1828 defines the hypocrite this way. It says, one who feigns to be what he is not, one who has the form of godliness without the power, or who assumes an appearance of piety and virtue when he is destitute of true religion. And the scripture, Job chapter 8, verse 13 says, and and the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Now, verse 7, it says here in Romans, to them who by patience, continuance, and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality, Eternal life. The person with true salvation is created and ordained unto good works. Therefore, we should live accordingly. So we should be seeking to live a glorious life, a a life of honor, a life uh, that, that looks like it's headed toward immortality with God, headed toward eternal life. These are saved and seeking and seeking to be separated kind of people. That's what I believe it is. I believe they're saved and they're seeking to be separated from the world and to truth. Then you have the hypocrite or the one who claims salvation but does not have it or the one who refuses to live according to that that which he was ordained to live. His works bring the judgment and wrath of God. And when it says in verse 8, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation, And wrath, tribulation and anguish will come. Well, if you live, if you claim to be a Christian, but you live in unrighteousness in indignation and in wrath, guess what's coming? Tribulation and anguish. That's what's coming. And so, uh, and upon every soul that doeth evil, other Jew first and also Gentiles. said, I don't care if you're God's chosen people. There's nobody any better than anybody else. There's nobody above anybody else. He says, this applies to everybody that lives. And so, uh, these are the lost and lying and living for themselves people. And so it is a key to understand that judgment of our works and salvation are separate things entirely. So God's talking about here a judgment of the works of people, the works of the Christian who trying to live out what he's ordained to be and, uh, and the judgment of that person. There's a judgment of those who don't try to live out what they're ordained to be or who are claiming to be something they are not. And so they're living in this unrighteousness. And so a man on his way to heaven still has his works judged, not for salvation, but judged nonetheless. You, 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 the scripture talks about gold, you know, our works are going to be gold, silver, or precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. They're going to be judged. There, you, you know, judgment seat of Christ, white through in judgment. There's going to be a judgment of our works, folks. Uh, it, it is important. Uh, yes, we can get salvation beyond our way to heaven but but it's important, I believe to God what we do along the journey I, you know it's not just a game for the kids to go out or go out Wednesday to see if we can you know to 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 mark down another you know soul saved. no that's part of what God ordained us to do, what God left us here to do to try to reach more people for Christ a man on his way to heaven, still has his works judged. Then we, then we come to the wonderful truth where we spoke about already, but it says there's no respect of persons. It says there's no respect of persons. A wonderful verse and promise from our Father is that no one is judged by their... Listen to this, Ms. Johnny May, where'd you go? Well, you're supposed to be sitting over here. What you doing over there? They kick you out of here? I don't want to hear it. You just, what? It's the first time that I could not hear you. You'll understand that. All right, now. Now, no one, listen to this. No one is judged by their name, their status, their position, their race, their nationality, their wealth, or their power. That has nothing to do with how you're judged. We all stand before a holy God and we will be judged for our works for God. And I believe from this passage and other passages in scripture that I don't have time to go to, I think we're also judged for our motives. A lot of people don't think so, but I think so. I believe so. I, I believe the scripture teaches. I think it's important that we, we do things for the right reason. I think way too many people have performed something that they didn't really, they, they didn't have a heart to it. They were doing it for recognition they were doing it for somebody to you know to again to put a star by their name you know when I when I was going to to church way out there Bethany Christian Church you know that they would they put the, you come to Sunday school and they put the little star up there by your name and, and you know and, and no thank you daddy no more than I went to Sunday school it was always a star and over here a star And over here, a star. And everybody else had star, 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 star. And you know what? They always felt I always felt like they thought they were better than me because they all had. You know, it was all. Oh, look at there. Look at your. Well, here's your name. Well, you know what? That's not the reason to go to Sunday school in the first place. Now, you say there's anything wrong with that? I don't think in, immatru- in, in immaturity, I think you have to have some reward. Now, the truth is we've got a new program for the, for the kids and soul winning, and we're working on things, and, and, but I still think, you know, and, and I'm going to be working with John Moore, we, we've got to have some kind of rewards. And, and kids, let me just tell you, in immaturity, you need rewards. You know, it's like I used to tell college students when they came in and freshmen. I think you ought to have contests. You know, because as a young freshman, you need to know that you can do more than you think you can, and you're not spiritually motivated, so just get carnally motivated. Uh, no. Uh, you, know, you know, if you're not going to do it because somebody's dying to go to hell, maybe you'll do it because you're going to win a trip someplace. Okay? I don't really mind that because it at least makes them feel like and makes them understand they can go out. It makes them understand that maybe they, you know, they can win somebody here or win somebody there that they wouldn't bother to and actually those people end up getting saved and I think that's all good but I, but I tell them the guys I work with in Salem ministry I tell them fellas you ought to be coming out of that by the time you're a sophomore or something I said you know you really don't need it. and I stopped doing them completely in Salem Ministry because I had a bunch of old, older boys but I told them fellas look that's not why we do what we do and I would tell them, when you leave out of here and go pastor church, go to the Mission Field, go start a church, nobody's going to keep me saying, hey, I'll give you a trip if you do this. Now, I'd work a lot harder, folks, if you just promised me a trip. If I'd... <laughs> but they, I said, they're not going to do that. So you got to grow out of that. But I'm not opposed to having something motivational when we're, when we're young. But we stand before God, and, and and I believe he will judge our and not just our works, but why, why did we do what we do? So we've got to grow into doing it for God, growing to do it for our love for God. Now, the next verse is verse 12, and it says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And I believe God is making it clear that, what will be written later in Romans chapter three and six that the wages of sin is death, and we have all sinned. Whether we are under the law, in in, in the sense for us that means uh, uh, that we know the law, that we know the word of God. Uh, you know, there are those in here right now that uh, I mean, okay. I, there's people sitting right here right now that there's some things that are clearly sin that you don't know sin. When I got saved, November the eighth, nineteen seventy-five, there were some things that I did not know were sin. I just didn't. Now God was going to going to teach it to me, and He was going to show it to me, but I didn't know it at the moment I got saved. I didn't get up and say, "Oh, all of that sin." I didn't know that. And, and and but God is saying right here, He's making it clear that that whether you know the law and you've been under the law or whether you're not of the law you still know you're still all sinners whether we are ignorant of the law or whether we know the word of god god says it's clear you still sin and you shall be judged now that's pretty pretty hard but the one who knows the most of the Word of God is a sinner just as the one who knows the least for not the hearer of the law are just before God but the doers of the law verse 13 and shall be justified greater knowledge brings greater responsibility see the more we know and the more you learn uh, today I I would hope that I I realize there's some things that that I did not realize back in 1975 I'm, I'm saved both times but there's some things I didn't realize then. There's some th- that I realize now. Now, truth is, I'm still growing and learning, and and that I'm liable to find out something tomorrow that I realize. You know, I always thought that was okay, and I finally come grown enough to realize, and finally study the Word of God enough to realize that's not good for me. That's not good. God doesn't want that and we may still learn that but greater knowledge brings greater responsibility and god is making it clear that you you may have the knowledge but hearing is not listening hearing is not accepting hearing is not obeying he said for not the hearers of the law are just before god but the doers of the law shall be justified he said, now now wait a minute. Does that mean that you you gotta perform the law to be saved? Again, he's talking to the saved already. Amen. That's not what he's saying here. He's talking to the saved people already. What he's saying is, is that is that when you claim to be saved and everything just goes in your ears and 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 runs in one ear and go out the other. Okay, what I'm trying to explain, anybody got children? Okay, have you ever talked to them and it looks, I mean, when you spoke to them, you know from the eyes, you actually saw the words go behind their eyes. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, and, and but if you look real close, you know, it, went, it went right in here and you watched them go right behind the eyes and goes right out the other side. Because they heard it, they did. It's a whole lot like preaching. <laughs> the microphone's loud enough. I know you hear me. But about 90% of it's going, <laughs> gone. Probably didn't even slow up in the middle. Because in some cases, there wasn't nothing there to slow it up. But they, now, the truth is, is God saying, you know what? You know you got this knowledge, you got this information, you got it all down pat. But are you living it? Are you living it? Folks, I you you do not get saved by works. But forgive me if you get saved and you're a new creature and you're ordained under good works. There ought to be some works that follow. Yes. Yes. Something ought to change. Now, you say, well, can I go around and say, look, you, here's what happens, though. Here's when, when, you, when you hear something like this preached, what you do is, is that this guy over here has, has uh, you, know, uh, you know, I look in, and, and, and I know Joe Beth and, and, and she claims to be saved and she's still smoking. And we're working on it, but she's still smoking. And I think, well, if she really got saved, she wouldn't be smoking. Now, first of all, we don't know what God's working. We're ordained unto good works. We don't know what good works and what, what God's really working on her about. We don't know what's happening. Here's what I used to tell people All, If you saw me walking across Memphis State after I got saved with my afro and my beard and my bib overalls and no shirt and flip-flops, you would not say, that man's saved. You just wouldn't. Your first impulse would be, if there's anybody going to hell, he's leading the way. Okay? But they did not know what was happening in here. Okay, that's where our problem comes because we'll evaluate and say, well, man, if they're doing that and if they're doing that and they're doing that. No, but I will say to the person, you need to really evaluate. You need to really check yourself and because I can't know your heart. God looks on the heart, but you and God better talk about what's going on in your heart because if you got saved, you may be doing something but something inside is ripping you apart because you're doing it. That doesn't mean you're going to stop doing it, but it ought to bother you. Now, I can't tell if it bothers you or not. You can't tell if it bothers me or not. Amen? You don't have to agree with me. I don't even know if I'm making sense anyways. but I know what I'm thinking. So knowledge does not necessarily equate to obedience. And so hearing and getting information doesn't necessarily mean we're going to change the way we live. God says it should, though. And, uh, and and again, just like I think teaching my girls and telling my girls to do the chores ought to make them do them when they were growing up in our house. But um, anybody ever given instructions to your kids, left, came back, and... Looked at him and said, "I thought I told you to do such and such," and they look at you like, "I I don't remember you saying that." And I'm the only one that's ever heard happen to. You. Yeah, that's, that's what God's saying. He's saying, "You know what? We got to do better than that. We got listening or to change." And now I was going to go all the way to verse 16, but. Uh, like I told you, I wasn't going to keep you late. But verse 14 says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, that their thoughts, the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. So the verses uh, let us know that even though some have very little law biblical truth they still have right and wrong written in their hearts and their inner being their conscience will prod them push them toward right or their conscience will excuse their actions and then verse 16 says in in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel finally the Lord just concludes this little section by saying the Lord knows all of our hearts there'll be no excuses with God. Now, we can't know the heart of another man, really. We can only see his outward actions. But with God, there'll be no excuses with God. No, I did not know. I did not understand. No one told me. God knows what you know. God knows the decisions you make and why you make them. God knows the secrets of your heart. um, This whole thing, you know, primarily starts with with the hypocrite. So I'm going to give you a little story and I'm going to and and we're done. There's a tale of an Indonesian farmer and he was was walking down a trail in the jungle and as he was walking down the trail in the jungle, suddenly he saw the tail of a giant tiger and realized the tail probably is connected to a tiger. (laughs) And he started to run and the, the tiger looked at him so he lunged at the tail. Now, I don't know why they would do this, but he lunged at the tail and grabbed the tail of the tiger. So I don't know if holding on to the tail of the tiger just means the tiger can't bite you now. I'm not sure. But he's holding on to the tail of the tiger. And it says that he held on the tiger tail really, really tight. And he held on and nobody came down that trail to help him. Because he's, he's got a, what do you call it? A, a, I think you call it a scythe. Scythe. The thing you cut the wheat down with. Okay. And so he's got that. But he can't, he can't use it because he's got to get both hands on the tiger's tail. And so, uh, finally, a holy man there in Indonesia came walking down the trail, and this fellow was about to lose his grip. he's worn out from trying to hold the tiger tail, and so he cried out to the holy man, "Help me, uh, take that scythe and, and and kill the tiger." And the holy man said, "No, I can't kill anything. I'm not allowed to kill any kind of animal." He said, "Well, you don't understand if you don't kill it, it's going to kill me." And he said, I, "I don't control what lives and what dies and so the the man, is the holy man started to walk away, the guy cried out to him and said, well, well, would you please do one thing for me? Would you hold the tiger's tail and let me kill it?" And he said, he thought for a minute in, his, in all of his righteousness, and he, he thought, okay, that would be acceptable because I'm not killing it, you're killing it. And so he went over and he, he took the tail and the, and the old farmer said, you got it tight? You got it tight? And he said, yeah, I got it tight. He said, he said, okay. The farmer uh, backed away, brushed off his clothes, picked up his side, started to walk away. And the, the holy man said, wait a minute, uh, you're supposed to kill it. He said, no, you've converted me. You were so, so persuasive. I now believe what you believe. I cannot kill a, a, a wild animal like this. And he said, maybe you'll have to wait to some unconverted heathen comes by. And he left him. You know what? That's kind of what God says about hypocrisy. You know, eventually it's going to show. And eventually he's going to come forth. You're going to pay the price. And and that's really what he's teaching about in here in in this passage. It's not about salvation. It's about, I believe, primarily saved people is what it's talking to. And so it's talking about the works and the judgment and the why we do what we do. And I hopefully made a little bit of sense. If it didn't, I'll just warn you, when you get up here behind this thing and you start to speak and you start to preach, you say things that that you may walk up here and go, hey, you know, you said this, and I'll think, that's not what I meant. So if you think I meant something that was wrong, you didn't hear me right. So anyway, all right. Uh, Brother Allen is going to is going to pray for us and